thick and thin hoops, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? Karthik, I want to start the podcast by dispelling uh, some rumors I've seen floating around the internet. Uh, I want to go ahead and make sure everyone knows I did not boo Jerry Krause's widow last Friday. Uh, I was <laughs> in attendance. Uh, I was as appalled as everyone else on, on Twitter, but I did not participate in that uh, in that booing and that showing by the Bulls fans. Um, I don't know what they expected when they brought her out here, uh, but uh, unfortunately it was just an ugly scene. And as much as they tried to make up for it, once they put her on screen versus his image, it was too late. The damage was done. Dude, it was ba- it was so sad watching her just like sob through the booze. And look, this is a problem of, this is a product of the last dance MJ propaganda that <laughs> everyone consumed and was obsessed with. And, Jerry Krause is this huge villain. So I blame the last dance. I played Michael Jordan and all you it's, you know, you're part of the problem. You're definitely part of the problem. Would you say that it was really Michael Jordan propagating this hate or was it more Scotty Pippen? Cause in the last dance and in real life, I feel like Scotty had just as much, if not more of an issue with Jerry than, than Michael did because of the contract, because of all the needling over the years, et cetera. While that's true. I still think it's more tied to Jordan because Scotty Pippen also didn't come across well in that documentary and people gave him shit. So it's like everyone is left in Jordan's wake. Ultimately, it's funny because there's a lot of things that Jordan wouldn't have come across well in, except we all worship at his altar. And so then we're like, oh, that's sick. Yeah, exactly. It's thought of very (laughs) different. It's like him being a complete prick to everyone. We're like, dude, that's awesome. (laughs) He Um, punches someone in practice. Damn, he wants it bad. It's competitive. So it's actually kind of funny, quickly on that note. So I didn't realize, like I mentioned, I think we talked about this last week. I was going to the Warriors-Bulls game. Did not realize until the day before that it was uh, the creation of the Bulls Ring of Honor, right? So it made sense. Kerr was in town. Not that he was even in the Ring of Honor. They kind of brought him out there as part of this weird, like, honoring of the 96 championship team in addition to creation of of this ring. And so they introduced the ring first. Some of these guys... Obviously, we're not alive like Jerry Sloan and, of course, Jerry Krause. A lot of them were like Artis Gilmore was there. Bob Love was there. Phil Jackson got the loudest applause um, you could imagine just 30 seconds long. He seemed really grateful. Unfortunately, they did this without Jordan Pippen or Rodman in attendance. <laughs> now, Jordan was a lost cause. They were never going to get him. He sent in a video. He has absolutely nothing better to do. I have no idea why he wasn't there. Pippen has a constant like love-hate relationship with both Jordan and with the Bulls, so it's unlikely he was going to show. Apparently, Rodman tried to come, except he missed his flight um, two days before <laughs> when he was supposed to be there. And then the day of when he came, this like winter storm arrived in Chicago, canceling his flight, and so they couldn't get him out there. So it was a very weird moment in that we like we had Luke Longley in jeans and a flannel shirt. <laughs> we had Steve Kerr coming off the Warriors bench into this ceremony, and then we had. Sadly, like we mentioned, the Jerry Cross thing. I just think it's funny. Like, I'm actually, it's actually more sad than it's funny. Like, there's so many stars, like historical players, that have such bad relationships with the teams that they are connected to by the end of that run. That you know, it makes you wonder. Like, Dirk and Kobe and Duncan are probably the only three guys that I can think of that still have like a really healthy relationship with. You know, maybe Iverson and Philly. There's a couple you can pick pick out. Wade, even even yeah. Wade had some frostiness in Miami. It just kind of sucks that this happens at the end of every. You know, great run you know what's the weirdest one? The two thousand one two thousand two Kings. 
All right. I'm shocked no, no. That you would say that. No, no, no. Because look, Vlade became GM. Yeah. Right. Uh, Paige Stockovich had a front office role, right? As like a VP of player development, whatever. Doug Christie is a current assistant coach. Bobby and Jackson was a former right? assistant coach. Mike Bibby is a commentator today for Kings games. Um, that's just five I named. And then there's one more that I'm blanking on that was involved. But like that's literally the starting lineup plus a little bit of the bench is still tied to the Kings org in like the last two years. But what about Weber? He doesn't have a great relationship with the Kings, right? He has... Uh, they traded him to Philly. There yeah, some, like, it didn't end on great terms, but yeah. So maybe he's the odd man out, but everyone else is funny. Everyone else is like, this was the high point in our life. Let's not fight it. <laughs> yeah. Um, though Peja did win a ring with Dirk later yeah. in his career. Um, yeah. And was actually on some of those Chris Paul Hornets teams that were actually sneaky. Oh, good. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway... But, but was how was the game? Was it were you courtside again? No, you were no, 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 not courtside. We had good seats though. Um, it was actually really entertaining. DeRozan had like twenty three points at one point. He was on fire. Bulls were up big in the first half, and you know this is interesting because Levine's been back the last few games, and the narrative was like they were playing really poorly with him. Once Kobe White stepped in, they got a lot better. I actually think they've been playing fine with Levine coming back, but they completely blew it. Got kind of got a vintage Steph and Clay game. Uh, no Draymond. He was not. Uh, he was not dressed. He was at the game, but he was not dressed. Um, he made his debut a couple nights later in Memphis. So it was fun. I mean, we kind of got it all. Like good crowd, sold out Friday night, um, and you know a little bit of old school Splash Brothers. You know the Warriors are yeah. not the Warriors anymore, but a little bit of what made them great um, came back. And then you know. Afterwards, I was, I was I sent you this picture. We were we were sitting in this like restaurant that's kind of like below the um, the stadium, below the floor, and that's the right next to where the tunnel the players come out. And so we got to see them all filter out. Levine and Draymond must have talked for like 10, 15 minutes. Oh, interesting. So that could be something. Shams was down there. He was trying to dap everyone up, and I finally understood like how just sort of like he's on top of everyone to get the stories. Yeah. I think I know it now. He wouldn't leave Draymond alone. Um, we, we didn't see Steph, but we saw Clay, we saw DeRozan, we saw Kerr. Um, you know, all the kids were at the window, and he, you know, they, you couldn't actually like there was a window separating them, so it wasn't like he was they were signing autographs or anything. But it was kind of cool to see him basically just walk essentially <laughs> out the out, out of the uh, locker room. Uh, Levine, but it's interesting when you see those conversations like Levine and Draymond, and I mean Levine's clutch, right? Levine is clutch. Yeah, he yeah. is. And uh, Trace, what's his name? Trace Austin Jackson. Jackson? Trace. Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah. Dale Davis's son. He was outside in his full uniform on the phone, like I think calling T-Mobile because they had like overcharged <laughs> him or something on the monthly bill. He must have been out there for like 30 minutes just on the phone, like being put on hold post-game. <laughs> so funny. anyway, so we got a lot to get into. Um, January first, 15th. First, one thing yeah. I want to highlight, right? Because we used to talk a little bit about football on this pod. Oh, that's right. What about my Bucks? Oh, you're right. You're right. Beat Big down. win. Big Beat win. Down. I think the country, I mean, I know they didn't have they were floundering. They didn't have AJ Brown, but like still to who beat cares? them down the like that. The country was rooting for the Bucks. So glad you put the sorry ass Eagles out of their misery. Baker <laughs> You know, I think about like just think about the last 4 weeks is it? Demolition yeah. of Green Bay. Offense looks incredible. Then they get smoked by New Orleans, it's like okay, they didn't. No, no, they crush Jacksonville. Oh yeah, then New Orleans, which they look terrible. Carolina, which they win, but they look terrible. Terrible. Then they come in and beat the shit out of the Eagles. 
Now they go on the road to Detroit where, again, everyone's expecting them to lose. And, and you kind of walk into that being like, I have no idea. I mean, as a Bucks fan, it's got to be fun to have a rebuilding scene, season turn into divisional round. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. Like, it's sort of like, I don't know what to expect from this team on a night-to-night basis. Yeah. It's it's kind of, it's like a slightly better version of the James experience where yeah. you have more highs, but you still have those lows. So. And also, can I can I just rant about one thing? Since when did um, and I don't know if this is just because of Taylor Swift. Since when did Jason Kelsey like his retirement and his whole thing become? He, he's treated like Tom Brady. Like literally towards the end of that game, all they were showing was Jason Kelsey. Like after we won, right? There's no focus on Baker and Bulls and the team. It's just Kelsey the entire time. Every person he talks to, he's talking to the coach. I'm like, when did this guy become this global celebrity? Like, this isn't Brady. This is fucking Jason Kelsey. Two, I'd say three reasons. One, podcast. Just like us, we've kind of, you know, <laughs> leveled ourselves up to, to international fame. I think the podcast that they have, which I actually don't even know what the name of it is, but that podcast has a lot of viral clips, right? Um, two, the Tush Push. He's kind of the architect of the Tush Push, which is one of the most hated, infamous plays in football, but one of the most unstoppable plays. And three, yeah, we've rewritten his history to become like <laughs> essentially the greatest player who's ever taken the field. But I think like because he won the ring, because he has enough Pro Bowls, all pros, etc., he does have like obviously a slam dunk Hall of Fame case, but all of the other like likability factors have taken him to a new level. Well, yeah, he's a great player. That there's no doubt about that. But when have we celebrated a center like that, like yeah, ever? I mean, it, it, it's wild. I think it, it's it Taylor Swift, man. I'm Taylor Swift thing, and it's the podcast, and it's like, but but I the podcast know. gets more views because Travis is on it because of Taylor. You see, like it all feeds itself. That's probably true. That's probably true. I I, I think it's really funny though that uh, all the post game was like. Like him crying, and it's like he's telling teammates he's retiring, and it's like, okay, like that's fine. Did we do this when like Joe Thomas retired? Yeah, Did we right. Do this like all like... these other legendary centers. I do think, and and football is weird because it's like football is like the worst possible sport to measure whether you want a Super Bowl in. Like Randy Moss has zero Super Bowls, right? Like I think that Larry Fitzgerald has zero Super Bowls, like. Some of the greats have never won. I've never even those guys played in one at least, but some of the greats have never even played in one. Like Dan Marino made it his rookie year, he never made it again. Like that's just bizarre. Um yeah. for some reason, once you win one though, it does create like this distinction of like, okay, he was like he did all that individually and he had team success. So it's like, okay, fine. Like Mike Evans, for example. Yeah. Mike Evans' career looks totally different because the stats are one thing, but the Super Bowl championship is another. So he's right. like, I got yeah. the ring, I have all the stats, and now my Hall of Fame case is solidified. Yep. I think that matters. That's true. That's all good points. It just frustrated me because I it's wanted funny. to see it. It is funny. Who do, you, who, do, who do you like? I mean, if you didn't pick Baltimore and San Francisco, let's say, as the two kind of one seeds, let's say you – let's say maybe you could pick them, but like is that – would that be your – like who, who do you think is going to actually pull this off? Because I can't tell right now. I think Kansas City is still lurking. I'm. Uh, I don't trust Buffalo, even though they're at home. Uh, and I think Kansas City had such a convincing win against Miami that I am reluctant to count them out. 
despite all the offensive challenges of the wide receivers and, and all of that. So I, I actually still would say Kansas City is in there. I don't take Detroit that seriously. I think they can make the Super Bowl, possibly. They can beat SF. They're going to beat I, us for sure. But I don't. It's it's a tall order for them to win that many games, and it's Detroit. Like At some point, yeah. it's going to bite them in the ass. Easily the best matchup from a fun standpoint would be Detroit Buffalo because it would be like two tormented franchises, tormented franchise fan bases who are like very, very passionate. And it's in Vegas, you know, some shit's going to go down there. I don't see any way in which Detroit wins in San Francisco. So the yeah. only way in which they can make the Super Bowl is if the Packers beat the Niners, which I also don't see any way that that happens. Exactly. I, don't think, that, I think the Jordan Love train ends this week. I think the, the Niners make quick work of them. So I the like, Niners are going to just. I like beat them the favorites in the NFC. I think I like Buffalo. Like they have all these injuries, but Josh Allen has played, I think, the best football down the stretch. I mean, he turns the ball over all the time, so I shouldn't even say it's necessarily the best football, but he's played the most like influential football for both teams. Um, he can create points for both score, both sides. He just creates a lot more for his side. And Lamar, the crazy thing is, like, I was looking at this today. Lamar has one playoff win in his career. Yeah, he's about to win his second MVP. He has one playoff win. So I'm really intrigued because, like, if Buffalo makes it past um, Kansas City, which, like you said, is a tall order, I think they're going to beat Baltimore. I actually think so too. I don't think Baltimore's that, you know infallible I, I think they can go down for sure it won't happen against houston if they go down against houston that is that's man, bad the lamar oh God. people are gonna the... start giving him shit because you're right he's only had one playoff win no one really gives him crap about that but after a second mvp season it, it's gonna definitely come back to haunt him yeah i mean i would be shocked if they lost to houston because houston plays a lot better at home than on the road yeah baltimore's rested they're getting mark andrews back there's a lot to like about that matchup but i mean it's I'm can't just pick four home home favorites, right? Like clearly yeah, something is going to happen. Like we just saw Green Bay go into Dallas. They were actually the only road team that won in week in you know the wild card round. So maybe it goes four for four. But um, I think Buffalo San Francisco is my Super Bowl pick right now, and the Niners win it. I'd actually pick Buffalo San Francisco. So I still think Buffalo can Don't beat pick Kansas the same City. Damn, you just picked. You just said Kansas. You just said Kansas City is going to beat Buffalo. Did you not? I said I have a feeling that could happen. Was that Zach Lowe last take? Kansas City, San Francisco. Zach Lowe? No, not Zach Lowe. What's that guy's name? Um, Chris Herring. Chris Herring. <laughs> no, the worst thing Zach Lowe does is the second he like approaches what could be potentially considered criticism of a player, <laughs> yeah, he'll he be like, back. you know, when I say he's not a good shooter, obviously, like if he took me into the gym, he could make 100 threes to my two threes. Yes, like he's one of the best shooters in the world. And it's like, dude. What the fuck does that – that has nothing to do with the point. The point isn't comparing you and me in our garage. <laughs> like, it's comparing, like, him versus other NBA players. What are you talking about? Um, anyway, so we are not afraid to criticize for right or wor- uh, better or worse on this pod. So, all right, let's switch to the NBA on that note. Pascal Siakam, breaking news, got traded today. It's a good time for us to record – the long national nightmare is over. The Toronto Raptors have traded both of their wings that we've heard rumors about for the last three seasons. Siakam got traded to Indiana, which was essentially reported last night uh, by Shams and confirmed today once the deal was official. It's uh, Bruce Brown, Jordan Nawara. They got Kyra Lewis from um, 
New Orleans in this deal. They got three firsts from Indiana, including two coming this year, um, and then one in 2026. Siakam, upcoming free agent, heads to Indiana to be paired with, uh, obviously, Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, Benedict Matherin. Indiana's currently in the sixth seed, so they're kind of looking at it like, let's go for something now while keeping some amount of flexibility. So let's start here. You and I have traded a bunch of texts on this, so I know a little bit of where you stand, but what is your take on this deal for Indiana? Let's start with them. Before I dive in, give me a quick grade. Give me an instant grade for Indiana. I think it's a B plus. Okay. I'm going with C. And I think it's an A for Toronto. I think it's a C for Indiana, a B plus for Toronto. Okay. C, Jesus. Here's my problem, right? Indiana, my whole, like what I thought they should do this year is they're very young. They've got a lot of players on their roster who they've got no long-term commitment to. Buddy Heald, Miles Turner. You don't know what you have for this roster. So my mm-hmm. whole thing with Indiana is no need to make a win-now move this year. Take it into the offseason. See how far you go with this team, with Halliburton. See what works in the postseason. Is Turner a piece you want to keep and build around? I know they extended him. Is Buddy Heal the player worth keeping? They had all these questions to answer. In the offseason, you make your move. If you were going to make a move in the middle of the season, go after a young player, a guy that aligns with your timeline, so you can still learn on the fly. The Siaka move to me is didn't make a lot of sense. He's 30 years old, right? Heading into 31. His game is already starting to slowly regress. Like he still looks great, pretty good defensively, offensively, still a force. The shooting is starting to wane. So why are you investing? You're gonna have to pay him 50 million a year, potentially starting next year, right? If they sign him to the max, which he's only going to play for a max, Indiana's willing to sign him. Why are you tying up $50 million to a player who realistically has a two- to three-year window and the rest of your roster on that Pacers team, it's not ready to contend? So that is kind of the crux of my argument of why this is not a great trade. It's a C and not an F or a D because they've got money to spend. They only gave up three late first-rounders, right? So the, I don't think the price is horrible. To me, it's just more that you're signing a guy this offseason who realistically is only going to be really good for the next two years. And I don't think their team is ready to compete at that level yet. So my take, and this is where I think we disagree. So first of all, it's not a slam dunk. It's not an A. It's not an A+. Plus. There's some risk. Are we okay to assume they're going to resign him? Is it fair to assume he's not walking? I think so. Or do you I think, think it's that fair. I like, think, I think, think it's that- like an 85% chance he signs i think it's I mean, so you have to kind of discount 15 percent because there's that risk i would be stunned if he left just the way yeah, i'd be 85 percent that's and, very OJ high and stu- I, I think it's like 99 percent. they don't make these kinds of moves and they don't give up three firsts without some assurances what happened and, with Kawhi? but Kawhi didn't make any assurances they and that's why if you remember the package was so light it was literally just DeRozan and a pick that became Jakob Siakam did not make any assurances that's what i'm saying he must have because it was already reported by Woj that it's like hey he's excited to stay and figure out a long-term deal they now, said they're I'm excited saying, to negotiate yeah and i'm Look not at saying the that he's good. i'm not going to say he's taking a discount but he's probably telling them if you put the 5 year max on the table i'm signing anything less than let's talk okay is the five-year max a good contract for Pascal? No, it's not. But is that the nature of this market? Like, you're Indiana. 
you have no way to acquire top end talent unless you strike gold at number pick number 20 in the draft. You have a win now superstar in Tyrese Halliburton. And when you say, oh, he's not win now, he's like, so SGA and him are the same age. If SGA is win now, why is it Halliburton not? Because the right? Thunder SGA- are like the second or third seed in the West already. Like, yeah, and where were they last year? They were ninth. So Fair. why can't they have similar ascension? Now, I'm not saying that they have the top end talent. They didn't have Chet coming in like, you know, the Thunder did, the Jalen Williams, but like there are guys on the Pacers that could turn them into something. If they're already six and they're adding Siakam without taking really anybody from their core, Bruce Brown is, you know, he played a role. He's not irreplaceable. He he obviously started like 30, you know, 30 plus games from, but averaged 12 points a game. He can be replaced by Siakam. I just think that like the, what they offered up is not that bad. They didn't touch Jairus Walker. They didn't touch Benedict Matherin. They didn't touch Jalen Smith, Obi Toppin. All these guys remain. So those are young guys that can still grow with Halliburton and or be flipped for additional assets. You said they have to pay him. Yes, they do. They have Halliburton on the rookie max, right? They have Turner on like a mid-tier, like $20 million a year contract, which expires after next season. And that's it. There's literally nobody else they're paying. They have to pay somebody. How else are they going to get a player of Siakam's caliber if not for this type of deal? It's not like they have the perfect 26-year-old wing just waiting for them. Who is that guy? That guy doesn't exist. I I, I agree, but I just think there's there's players that they could have filled out that roster with that meet their timeline a little bit better. You know, Zach Levine is not a spring chicken. But I think he'll his game will age better than Siakam in some ways because he's a better shooter. He's two years younger. Um, you know, you have Kyle Kuzma. You have even DeMar DeRozan. Like, my point is there are other players that could elevate the ceiling of this team that aren't as expensive or at least match your timeline. And Does Kyle um, Kuzma really elevate the ceiling of the Pacers? Be honest. No, no, no. But, I mean, you're right. Like, uh, if you have to get a star star, like all-NBA talent, Siakam is the best option available in the market, right? And I'm not all saying NBA. Siakam is all-NBA level right now. I but think he, he's he's, I mean, he's been an all-NBA player, right? Yeah, twice um, in recent years. But, I like, what is – okay, but I, I understand how great Halliburton is. But Halliburton, Siakam, like, do you really see that – adding Siakam to this roster – is that putting them into the same tier as Boston, Milwaukee? Um, I think what's the other big team, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. And so, and, I, and and look and, and I agree. Like I know one of the things we argued about is does every move have to put you in contending tier? Exactly. No, it does not. But a move like Siakam starts to restrict you because who's that third guy you're going to bring in? So if you really wanted to go do something like. They could go acquire Zach Levine tomorrow if they can match salaries, right? Like they can get there with healed, some other salary filler. They can even throw in one of their assets if they want. There are ways to improve this team that don't stop at doing what they did. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that they would go do that because they're not going to put them inside themselves in like second apron hell with a team that goes 46 and 36. But my big thing is if you think so, even if you don't believe Halliburton's a superstar, I think it's fair based on what we've seen that any team with him is going to be at the very least around or slightly above 500. No, he, he is a superstar. I'll give you that. He is a superstar. Right. So if he's healthy, they're not going to be picking in the top 10. They're not going to be picking in the top five, right? 
So if you think about any small market, you have two ways to build your team. You draft players or you trade for them, right? And if you can trade for a guy, you also have to assume he's going to re-sign. So if you can get a guy like Pascal, who you're going to have to overpay for because you have to pay the small market tax, you know, you're going to have to give him the five-year max, even if you don't want to. But there is no replacing Siakam if you go a different direction. Like, my big thing is, like, what are they supposed to do? Because it doesn't mean that they have to go for a win-now move. It doesn't even mean, like, I don't think they're a top-five team in the East, right? You have, like you said, the three teams. I would still put Miami above them. And, frankly, I'd probably put New York above them post-OG trade, right, with the way Brunson's playing. So at the very least, they haven't moved their position yet. But I could be wrong, right? Siakam is still dynamic enough to maybe make a difference. Uh, you know, Halliburton's got to get healthy, obviously. But, like, if you if you consider it a three-year window, I don't think this really limits them as much as it's being talked about because the picks, by and large, are not going to be super influential. Um, and the cap space is not going to be influential because they weren't going to be able to use it elsewhere. That That's kind of my point. Like... Okay, you know, Kyle Kuzma or one of these guys, like, sure, there's other dudes available. Like, you know, maybe they could have traded. Let's say, let's say they traded for um they sent Bruce Brown and they sent uh you know Jairus Walker to Golden State for Wiggins and for Kuminga or something, like a reclamation project, give them two assets. You're taking a flyer on Kuminga and Wiggins is dead weight. So is that really a better outcome? Yes, you don't have to give up the picks, but you know, we we talked about Laurie Marketing. He would have been a great fit. But is Laurie available? Utah's been fi- streaking. They're 15 and four in their last 19. Maybe they choose not to bl- blow it up. And does that price like double from the way he's playing? You know, that's, I was surprised, honestly, that they got three firsts for Siakam. But if you think about a year ago, it was two to three firsts and a promising young player. They eliminated a first, that second. Well, yeah, when you, they, that was Toronto's fault and they, should have traded him a year ago. We know that, right? The value's been depressed. Right. But here's the other thing that then, like, uh, you talk about, okay, there's no opportunity cost because they can, they've got young assets to trade, right? They've got flexibility. They can make more moves. I feel like anytime you want to trade for a star, you need picks. First-rounders are currency. That That is what swings these big trades. I feel like OG Ananobi was one of the few exceptions but most of these stars go for first rounders. Um, yeah. And here's the thing. Indiana can't trade first rounders now until 2026, right? 2028. 2028. So now they gave up cur- our 26 pick. Sorry. Yeah. So that currency you had to make moves, let's say, okay, the next three years, they want to get another star. They don't have first round picks to give up. They've got young right. talent, but that is not look. Jairus Walker and Matherin, even like <laughs> as good as Matherin is Matherin and Jairus Walker is not getting you a stud that you need because I don't think Siakam can be the second best player in a team. I think he can be your third best, baby. So, so, so th- just to clarify, they can trade picks as early as right now. They just, the earliest first they can trade is 2028. Think of this as last year when the Lakers were, could only trade their 27 then 29 because 2025 was out to New Orleans. So you can't trade picks in consecutive years and you can only trade picks in a seven year window. So that's why last year they could only trade up to 2029 this year. Can they trade up to 2030, et cetera. So the Pacers can still trade picks, but the earliest pick they can actually put in the trade is 2028. 
to your point, yeah, sure. It's like, okay, Siakam is best as a three. I, I don't disagree. Don't you have to kind of hope that Matherin could get there? I don't think he will. I don't think he's quite that talented. But, like, how – like, this is what I'm trying to say, though. Like, where – who is the number two option? If if you're so lucky to have Siakam as your three, who is your number two? Or or it has to be at the equivalent of Siakam. Maybe Siakam is your number two, but there can't be a big drop-off to your three. Like, the problem with Matherin is um, he's very talented, really good player. He can only grow. I think he plays an archetype that's not that rare. He's a streaky, good shooter, can slash, um, you know, not great at defense. He's athletic enough to maybe be good on that front, but I don't see him being a stud. And I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong about this, but... You know, he's not a. I don't think he'll ever be a third best player, second. Yeah, best no, player I, I agree. I mean, but it's the the other question is like, what version of team are you talking about? Like, could Siakam be the second best player on a team that's a top five team in the East? I think that's fair. Yeah, could I think so. Be, oh yeah, yeah, top five team in the East, sure. And that might be their ceiling. Like, they may not have. Like, they don't have but, a Giannis. They don't have a Tatum. They don't have an Embiid. So, short of getting someone like that, how are we ever going to put them in the upper echelon of the East in this prime of Halbert in the next five years? So the, I look, I don't think they need to be a contender immediately, right? And that's one thing we always argue about. But the moment you go after Siakam, it, you're making win-now moves. You're making next two-year, let's really contend. That's my problem, right? Like, if they went after Kaminga, if they went after other guys, like, it's not the worst thing in the world because these guys can still develop. Halliburton's so young. Like, your core is so young. Who cares? The problem is... By going after Siakam, you're really trying to put yourself in a win-now mode. They're trying to compete, contend in the next three years. Um, well, and yeah, I mean, look, they're looking at it like this. They're a top six seed. Again, we just listed out five teams we probably still both like ahead of them. That's before you factor in like the Clevelands who have been playing better. Uh, that's kind of about it, actually. Like the East sort of sucks after that. Um, so and Orlando, who's dropped off a little bit, but I still think I think Indiana is better than Orlando. Like. They have an explosiveness version to this team that has beaten Milwaukee four times. It's beaten a lot of good teams. It beat Boston, et cetera. You add defense. Like you mentioned Zach Levine. There's no way, despite the assets being less, there's no way in which a Zach Levine added to this roster is going to help them at all. Siakam, at least stylistically, makes more sense. Like you said, he's a versatile defender. He gives them some toughness. He can play small ball center. He helps next to Turner to give a little bit more presence. Like, some of these Indiana games don't even look like real basketball, honestly. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what sport they're playing, but both teams are just running at a frenetic pace, and it's like 152, 147. Like, Halliburton's got like 24 points, 22 assists. Like, this just doesn't make sense. That is a carnival version of the game. They're trying to bring a little bit more sense of realism to how you play basketball, especially in the playoffs, because right now, I think it's I think they're a lock to make the playoffs. And I think if you at yeah. least start at that point, maybe you can go give a Philadelphia a tough run in round one. doesn't mean you're going to beat them, but at least you build on something. The, I mean, the other problem I have is that Siakam, um, so on paper, right, he fits perfectly. They need defense. He's a great defender. Um, his shooting can be mitigated in a team full of shooters, right? So that's not an issue. The spacing doesn't get completely out of whack. But you can look at it the other way too, right? Like one of the things I've learned from the Kings this year is that Last year, they were a high-flying offense. They leaned fully into offense, gave up on defense, and it worked for them. And the moment you start to try to straddle, right, like let's make it a little bit more defensive half-court, tone down the offense a little bit, 
all of a sudden you lose. It's hard to like, what is your identity then? And it's actually harder to win games, even though you've created more balance. <laughs> so my point is, I think Indiana benefits from blitzing the shit out of these teams. So just by adding one good defender, there's as much to lose on the offensive side as but, there but is they, to gain on the defense. But they can still do side. that, right? Like they're replacing Bruce Brown with Siakam. I'm sure their offense is not going to take a step backwards. Like Siakam is still a beast in transition. He can still go get his own points. He can stagger with Halliburton and run the offense when Halliburton sits, which is one of the problems they've had this year. Like you can't tell me their offense is going to take a step back because they've no. added a better two-way player than the guy they And up. Yeah, no, you're right. And he can create and, you know, when the offense really s- slugs down and uh, yeah. or bogs down like and in the playoffs he's going to be a very useful player and he's a pretty good secondary ball handler like he's a you know he gets four or five assists a game he keeps the ball moving like yeah he gets a little hero ball mode but i actually think in this offense it's going to work he gets to play for rick carlisle one of the great coaches in the game great offensive coaches like i mean the biggest thing if i had to say why will this not work for indiana it's it's what you mentioned at the very start we're starting to see the slightest dip in performance over the last couple of years. Does that continue or is that just a function of like starting to share touches with Scotty Barnes, starting to share touches with more with OG Onyanobi, new coach now with Nick Nurse out? Like, is that more of what it was? And he's just sort of end of his own run in Toronto. Like, is it decline because of age or decline because like that just situation had dried up? That's, I think, the key. And And I feel like, and that's worrisome to me because if the shooting falls off, as you get older, if the shooting's not there, what are you providing? Yeah, I mean, he's shooting 32% from three this year. It's his lowest uh, in four seasons. He's never been a great shooter. He's career 33%, so it's not really a big part of his game. But it's one of those things you just start to worry, like, when are we seeing, like, the dip? Granted, now he's been shooting really well in his last 10, 15 games. I think OG leaving helped space the floor a little bit because quickly. And Barrett's been playing really well, actually, for Toronto. Um, and maybe we could pivot to talk about them. But, like, that 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 to me is the one that uh, we'll have to keep an eye on. I mean, he's going to get a lot of open looks. Like, Halliburton is, the, is, like, an assist god right now. So, in terms of creating open looks quick shots, open shots, like he's not he's not going to find a better offense to, to play in to get that good is right. looks. And I think that's going to also be beneficial for his efficiency. Yeah. So I, I know it sounds like I hate the trade. I don't. I honestly think he's fine. I just, it, to me, it just feels like kind of not panicky, but they're just, I I just think they should have waited to the offseason. You don't even know what would, you have. Like last year, traded, Halliburton got injured. Would you have traded Barnes? Her, not Herder, Barnes, um, Mitchell, and three firsts for Siakam? No. Barnes, Mitchell, and one. Yeah, maybe. One first. Barnes, yeah. Mitchell, and one first. Yeah. Because he was not assuring us. He, I mean, if he gave us no, assurances. No, okay, no, forget that. Assuming he was going to resign. Two picks. Two picks. I would not give three. Two. That's why your ass doesn't have Pascal Siakam. I'm fine. Maybe I'll give him three if he's going to resign. I mean, I'm but saying least, I'm dude, not touching Monk. Dude, I'm not touching Herder. I'm not touching S- Keegan. Siakam on the Kings is a much, much better scenario. Okay, and you're still not giving up the picks. This is why you don't have them. Maybe I'll give up three. <laughs> I actually think if you think about the Kings, and they've slipped a little bit now, and now in the play-in mix after a disastrous loss to Phoenix last oh, yeah. night, which I went to sleep before that ended. Um <laughs> 
I mean, it, things can move around. Like like Dallas lost tonight, so it's possible that uh, Sacramento jump back up into the top six. But they're really interesting because they could go do something, um, or they could stand pat and just say, "Hey, but, let's let this thing run." You know the moves I'd like the Kings to make, and I think all Kings fans agree: Jeremy Grant. Go after Jeremy Grant and Tybal. Do you, you want know? to pay that deal? Five yeah, one sixty year one of that. Yeah, he's. Dude, the thing is, first of all, we lock him long term, right? Second, um, he's young, still relatively young, and he's just he fits like a glove. I'd pay for would, that. Would Jeremy Grant cost more than Siakam, given there's no uncertainty about his no, future? No, he'd cost less. We're Even clearing we're contract. clearing money off Portland's books. Yeah, maybe it could be an interesting trade. I mean. You know, I really look at Philly, right? Like Philly had all these grand plans to like not give Maxi the extension, so they create max cap space. Suddenly, you look at it. OG is off the table, presumably, right? Pascal Siakam's off the table, presumably. Kawhi Leonard has inked his extension. Paul George, if he had it his way, there's, I'd be very shocked. Let's say if he leaves the Clippers as well, uh, he's staying. So you know, James Harden's not going back to Philly. So who are they spending their cap space on? All of a sudden, the options have kind of come off the board, right? Like, are they going to really go make a deal for like a Zach Levine? No. Um, I mean, maybe, but I doubt it. Are, are they going to really run a Maxi Levine backcourt? Maybe Grant fits there, right? Like, they need that kind of wing to give to take some of the Kelly Uber minutes. I'm really interested to see what they do because the way Embiid's playing, they kicked the shit out of Denver last night. It was a close game, but Embiid was just dominant. Um, Maxi was great. And like those two have been awesome all year, but how long till you find out you can't really go up against Boston or some of these in Milwaukee, even if they're firing on all cylinders without that third star. I'll give you here. How about Gordon Hayward? For Philly? For Philly. See, that's interesting because they could trade for him. It cost them next to nothing and he's expiring. So they could still keep the max cap space in case they thought it was somebody they could sign. Yeah, and I'm sure I think Gordon Hayward is ready to play for a, a contending team. Um, you give up what? What's the salary you give up? You just got to give up like you give up Covington, you give up Covington, give up, yeah, and like uh, Marcus, Marquis Morris, Morris some stuff like that. Yeah, and you go after Hayward, and and Hayward's a. It isn't. It's not like a big big swing, but the the price is so low, and the he's still a good enough player that. You know. You want to hear my suggestion? Yeah. Keldon Johnson from San Antonio. Okay. He is under a really favorable contract. He's a pretty good player. He's flawed, but good. I don't exactly know what the vision is in San Antonio. They lose like every night, despite Wemby starting to put it together as like a really fucking scary player. Um, at the very least, they started a real point guard finally with Trey Jones, but it's just not a good enough roster. And I don't know if they're just like, Wemby, chill this year. We'll try a bunch of stuff out and see what works. Or if it's like Popovich is over the hill and has no clue what he's doing. <laughs> um, I'm scared it's more the latter than the former. And so Keldon Johnson could be a guy that's out there. Maybe you give him a pick or two, throw in. I don't know. They don't really have any young players that are worth it for San Antonio, but that's one option. Um, now, why would the Spurs do it? I'm not sure. They'd probably have to, to sweeten the offer a little bit more than they can. Yeah, the thing with the Spurs is you're right. Like, it is a cheap. It's not. 
it's a relatively friendly contract. I don't I don't even know what the Spurs are doing though. I don't know what Pop's vision for this team is, how he wants to build it. So who knows? I, I, we didn't draft them in the hopeless draft last year last week for obvious reasons because they have Victor freaking Wembenyama. Yeah, but I'm going to caution this right now. There's a real concern that I have in whether they're doing the right thing or going to do the right thing long term around him. Yeah, because what I see from him is he's really special. Now I don't know why he's not impacting winning more. Maybe we can't assume that everybody's just going to come in and have that kind of presence, but offensively, he's been great of late. Defensively, he's a complete force, and they just get their faces pushed in every night. So I'm not sure, like, I'm not saying, like, there's a panic meet or anything like that. I just, I'd get nervous because you do not want to waste this guy's talent. You don't, you don't. So, and, but doesn't it remind you of, like, remember Kevin Durant's rookie season? Yeah, they were really bad. They were terrible. Yeah. So and they I don't know. Russell Westbrook the next year, and the rest is history. Yeah. So it, you know, but but I I think the worry is that Pop just do you worry if he's going a little like uh, I don't know. It's like you know with Bill Belichick with these older coaches, we already saw Pop not have the greatest team USA reign. Is he kind of losing it right as a coach as a GM? So it that's feels the that way. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels that way. Um, okay, so let's talk about a couple other trade candidates. Zach Levine, you mentioned. Um, so the interesting thing about Levine, so I was looking at some lineup data for the Bulls today. Yep. Basically, of their top six lineups, the three that are positive don't have him on the floor, and the three that are negative have him on in terms of number of minutes played. I don't think that's a coincidence because, by and large, the rest of the players in those lineups are the same, right? Some combination of, like, DeRozan, Vucevic, Caruso, Pat Williams – uh, Dasun Mu and Kobe White. So there's a lot of concern, in my opinion, in terms of obviously his contract. However, I do think there are certain teams where it does make a lot of sense. And I think as a distressed asset, he could be really valuable. So I know Lakers fans have no desire to take on that contract, have no interest in in what you know that might mean unless it brings on like someone like Caruso. But if you can get Levine without touching Reeves, or maybe even that first rounder in 2029, I would strongly consider it. Like if you can get Rui, D'Lo, Max Christie, like I think if I'm the Lakers, I would do that. And if I think I'm the Bulls, I might do that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, all the there's so many rumors now that the Bulls are not getting good offers and they just want to get rid of Levine. So you're right in that scenario. I don't understand why his value is so low. I know. (laughs) <laughs> like, look, I get it. Forty million for a player like Zach Levine is is a lot. Um, but my thing with Zach Levine is he's a good shooter. Like, forget about the last two seasons. The three before that, 39, 42, 38 percent from three. Mm-hmm. And I think his shooting numbers and this Chicago, this weird Chicago Bulls team has just kind of, you know, his bad behavior, his bad kind of tendencies have emerged more. I think if you put him on a contender on a good team. He can play off ball. He can slash. I think he'll be more motivated as a defender. And he's a good size for a two guard. Like, I, I, he just checks so many boxes that I don't know why a team wouldn't take a flyer on him. So you're right. In that scenario, the Lakers do that deal 100 times out of 100. I just feel like the Bulls can hold out for more. Because if, if he's given up for just what was that package? You said Rui. Um, Rui, D'Lo, call it Max Christie, and maybe like 
I don't know. Like a like Rui keeps getting the Laker fans talk about Rui like some massive trade chip. I think the idea of Rui has always been better than what Rui is. And you know this as a Wizards fan. Like this guy is a forward, right? And he's been put in two different situations now. You can blame the Wizards for one. You can blame Darvin Ham for this one. He's like a 12-point-per-game wing, Every solid scoring talent. He's not yeah. an amazing defender. Like, so what? why does Rui get talked about like he's this really valuable trade asset? He's a jack. It's eerie how exactly similar his stats are like basically every season of his career um it's like 11 to 13 points four to six rebounds you know just under 50 percent shooting he's gotten better as a three-point shooter but again it's like who cares like this guy is like a fine if he didn't hit six threes versus memphis in game one yeah last ex- playoffs, like that <laughs> like i think he earned 48 of the 51 million of his contract strictly from that game yeah, he hit six threes in a Lakers jersey. Like, you put those yeah. two together, and it's like... Right. It's like Reeves. Like, Reeves was being talked about like a legitimate third star. He came into USA Basketball. He did play well, but again, he's a role player. And now he starts the season, and they're like, why isn't Reeves doing more? It's like, you want this guy to average 25 points a game? Like, where was yes. the evidence that that was going to be possible? He's a good connector. He's a good shooter. He can play pick and roll. Like, he's a good player, but he's limited. Like, it's not going to be some great, you know thing that you're envisioning out here yeah so, so that uh, like what about what about levine to like you know um like uh, charlotte charlotte is one of the saddest situations in the league um i think they were number two pick um after after washington for us last week and there's an argument to be made for number one like even with Lamelo, they lose all the time they have really no excitement beyond him you know, the Miles Bridges stuff has worn off given everything he's been involved in. Brandon Miller, fine, but like, could they be a player for him? Do you throw back Hayward? Do you throw back I mean, Mark Williams? Not Mark Williams. Maybe he's too valuable, but James Booknight. I don't know. Is Charlotte any, can, any but like, what are you getting? That they have? You're getting the same version of Levine. You're getting the inefficient shooter. You're not going to get the best version out of him, and you're going to be paying $40 million. No, I think you trade for Levine, then you trade for Trey Young, and then you trade for Cat, and then you form this team of like, <laughs> like this superstar bad staff, bad team, good staff guy, and see what happens. That locker room is going to fall apart in like literally a week. Um, I I like I think it's even like the Magic should go for him. They can. They need some offensive. Yeah, they need some he, offensive juice. Yeah. Um, I think he could fit. I think they need a little bit more of a polished scorer, which he gives them a little bit of shooting. Like, I think that'd Dude, be a like good the fit. Magic right now, they're second in the league in defense and 24th in offense. Yeah, so they, they can give up some on defense, and I think Levine just would, you know, their late game shot creation it's all paolo which is great but i just think having levine and having a two guard like him would unlock so much more for them and the i fourth. think you center the con the the deal around like a markel fultz maybe jonathan isaac those two salaries get you up to like 38 million yeah then you could pretty much add like a couple of the assets that you have they have a ton of young players they have picks i don't even think you'd have to give up that much so and yeah, like, why don't we talk about the Magic being more aggressive with some, like, I mean, they're not great, but they're good enough that they've been hanging around, right, so far. I think far the Magic are, like, a half step behind Indiana, who's, like, a half step behind Sacramento. So Sacramento in that 
trajectory of young te- and Sacramento is a half step behind OKC, right? So if you think yep. about the trajectory of like young ascending teams, like OKC is the most primed to make a win now move. Orlando is the least sort of ready. Indiana's third in that trajectory. And I think with Orlando, it's like we both had like, for example, Paolo as an all-star. I mean, maybe we'll see where if he lands on the team or not. He's kind of been slumping a bit as of late. But like to me, it feels like they're really still a year away. But if they went and got Levine, again, I don't think it would cost them that much. And I don't think it would hamstring their future ability to do stuff. Yeah. Because they still don't have to pay Paolo or Fran, Franz anytime soon. They don't really have any other like star quality like contracts coming on from their current roster. And again, who was signed in Orlando in the last 20 years of, of note? So what exactly are they competing for in free agency? But Magic fans, like no, namely Saruti on like the Rosillo pod, hates the idea of Zach Levine. So I don't know what that means. Like clearly, like to your point, it's like he's gotten such a negative reputation. I feel like people don't even remember what he plays like. It's weird, man. I and you've seen him up close and per, like more, you know, being in Chicago. But I just, I, I think, look, he gets treated like a, a poor defender, which he is, and a really inefficient scorer. But he can shoot high vol like high volume high efficiency from three yeah and i think every team could use a wing like that yeah so the other guy i think popping up a lot um and it's kind of sad because we can't throw a fake og and siakam trades around anymore since those two guys have actually been moved but the other guy starting to pop up more is Dejounte murray um yep. clearly the pairing in uh Atlanta has not worked. Um, I've been a little surprised by that, though. DeJounte did hit a nice game winner today versus uh, versus Orlando while he looked off Trey the whole time. I don't know if you saw the video of that. But um, that's not worked. Quinn Sutter has not gotten this thing turned around. Like, I would argue maybe you're better served trading Trey, but I don't think they will do that for the variety of reasons we talked about last week. Where did you like to see DeJounte go? I mean, the Lakers have been rumored. The... Uh, you know, the Raptors have been rumored. The Spurs were even rumored as like a, a homecoming. What are the what are the teams you think are realistic options for him? Um, looking forward. Can Miami get him? Yeah. I mean, look, they had a pretty decent package for Dame. You do not need that much for um, DeJounte. Now, the Dame package at the time included Jaquez, which it absolutely would not anymore. You could still scrounge together a couple picks. You could put in Jovich. You could put in Lowry to match salaries. You know, you could even put in like um, maybe like a Haywood Highsmith or some of these other like young, like not that sought after yep. guys. But is that super exciting? I don't know. But if you could probably get there with the picks and like one interesting young guy, I think. I, I like Miami because, okay, look, he signed an extension, right? For um, how much was it? Four years, 120 million. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. 30 million, close to 30 million a year, right? So it's not insane price tag. Um, I know the Heat like to usually think bigger. You get a a big guard who uh, can play make, who's been a good shooter this year. I don't know how real that is, but he's shooting really well from three. Um, And the defense has not been good in Atlanta, but I feel like Miami can get that the best out of him on the defensive end as well. Yep. And so having that length at the guard position to add to what they already have, it's not the splashiest move, but it's a move that keeps them in that contending, can put them over the top potentially. So I kind of like Miami. That would be an awesome fit. 
really awesome fit because he can run the point guard position, which is, I think, his natural spot. He's had to play off ball. And honestly, I don't know who can be a good defender next to Trey Young, honestly. like <laughs> So I'll give him a pass for now on that. But that they would be really, really interesting with him. The other team I thought about, I don't think it would work for the same reasons maybe he struggled a bit to get comfortable in Atlanta, was the Knicks. Like, hmm. part of what we talked about with the OG trade is they kept all their first. They still have the Fournier contract. They still have a couple other contracts they could use to throw in there. Does he fit next to Brunson? Because Brunson's issue and the why, why Donovan Mitchell wouldn't make sense is you have a really small backcourt, neither of whom are good defenders. You don't have that issue with, with uh, Murray. Um, I just don't know. Like, do you need him? Does he is he like that much more additive to what you get right now versus like Quentin Grimes, DiVincenzo, some mash mashup of guards or, you know, because clearly New York has to do one more thing to join the upper echelon, but they get one swing at the, you know, at, at, at the plate, I think. I like that. But just from one through three, your defensive kind of length and intensity, right, is. Yeah. Pretty pretty hard to score on pretty and Obi and Murray on the wings, right? Yeah, right. So that that's enticing, and you'd think Tibbs can get the best out of him. Um, will it? Does that make sense for them to spend that twenty eight million on a Dejounte, where maybe they could use help elsewhere? I don't know, but that's actually I didn't think about that one. That's pretty good. If I'm the Knicks, I think I just I it's it's a becoming an increasingly low probability this happens, but I'm wondering if you just wait it out one more summer, pray for a Philadelphia collapse in the playoffs and put in the Godfather offer for, you know, Joel Embiid. Hmm. I still don't think that that's going to happen. The Knicks do this every time. They're just hoping on the Embiid's, the Giannis's, the LeBron's. Like, these guys aren't just going to magically come. Yeah, that's fair. Um, You know, one team that I was was watching today, like, obviously the, the Mavericks lost to the, to the Lakers and Luca and Kyrie have both been very good. The team's been pretty good. They're number six in the West. I kind of feel like they need to make a move. Like they're starting Derek Jones and I know he's played well, but that feels just like a really weak spot in a team that's trying to make noise in the playoffs. Siakam was rumored. Yeah. Siakam was rumored originally to maybe be headed there. They didn't have enough to get it done clearly, but what do you think Dallas should look to add? Like, like, I, I feel like they need another defensive wing that's like a better version of Grant Williams, essentially. I I don't know what Dallas needs, man. They are such a weird team. Because when they're at their best, it's like five out with Luka. Yep. But we know that that's limited. They're one of the weirdest teams to figure out. Because I don't know of any of- immediate move that makes them... Yeah, the archetype of player is like a Paul George type, but every team can use a Paul oh, but George. Yeah, but the, yeah, like a two-way yeah. wing who's a dynamic scorer. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Uh, Kevin Durant type, yeah. Oh, that would be sick. <laughs> Who is that guy? There's nobody that's really available. Or let me take it down a notch. A Jaden McDaniels type. But even that, like, how's that... Does it matter? Does it move? No, see, what yeah, is he? Slightly it, better version of Dorian Finney-Smith. Yeah, honestly, they should just bring find a way to bring Dorian Finney-Smith. <laughs> it's back. like what? I don't know, man. Luca. I mean, they, they tied themselves to Kyrie and Luca, right? So those are your two big players. I don't know who that third starter company that would even be. 
Yeah, I think it's it's um it's really interesting because on one hand their offense and their team is going to go as they do, but then you watch tonight, threes aren't falling. They don't really have another way to attack you other than this like ISO pick and roll and that type of ball like heliocentric offense. And that's always been the problem with Dallas, right? If you're able to either solve it or they can't hit shots. This is what Golden State did to them in the conference finals a couple of years ago, right? They just swarmed Luka. His teammates weren't making shots, and that was a quick series. Now, at least you have a better co-star next to him, Kyrie, than you had in years past. But again, Kyrie is 6-1. He's limited. He's prone to, like, huge games. He's prone to big swoons as well. And the last couple of playoffs we've seen him in, he hasn't been spectacular. He hasn't actually been good in the playoffs probably since Cleveland, if you really Mm -hmm. look at it. So... I was high on Dallas. I continue to be high on Dallas. And I think Luka has played incredibly this year. Kyrie has played well. And I honestly think it's strange how little we've talked about him, given how famous of a player he is. But there's got to be something else they can do around the edges. Because I just think that, like, Derek Jones is a nice eighth man. Like, if he's your starting small forward, you're probably in a little bit of hot water. Yep. I agree. Um, But I can't think of a player. So maybe they're also not able to. That could be a Kyle Kuzma team, honestly. Oh, should we talk Kyle Kuzma? Dude, we have got to move him. Like, I feel like Siakam kind of set the market a little bit in terms of talented small forwards who have had championship pedigree. And I'm going to throw Kuzma into that little category there. He's not going to net three first. He's not going to net – well, they want two first. I'd be surprised if they got him. But if we could get one interesting young guy in a, in a pick or a really interesting young guy for him – then I'm then I'm thinking like Here, we would move him. So here's the thing, right? You're better off trading Kuzma. I actually think the Wizards, so obviously Kuzma, there's no point in him staying there. But his value only increases into the contract. Yeah. Second, third year, because it's declining, first of all. Mm-hmm. And with the cap going up, that is a he's a bargain contract at this point. And the well, he's playing so well this year that you know he's validated that he's worth trading for. Um, who's your GM? Will Dawkins, or is yeah, it? And, uh, yeah, Will Dawkins, and then Michael Winger is the president. Michael Winger is the, yeah, yeah. How aggressive do you think he is? Like, does he see it like, hey, look, this team's going nowhere. We've got Pool, we've got Kuzma. Kuzma's value is high right now. Let's just flip him and kind of into more picks. Or does he have a mandate? You think to be like, we need at least to be somewhat competitive and put out a good yeah. product. I'm I'm not sure. Like I'm praying to God that Leonsis has gone full hands off because we know he's had influence on moves in the past that have been disasters. I think when he made the admission that Shepard wasn't getting it done and he handed the keys to these guys, I think he is hands off, right? So I don't think they have a mandate to be competitive. I think basically, like you saw a week into their them taking the job, they had traded Beal and Porzingis. Now you could argue about the return. I honestly, like in hindsight, getting off the Beal trade contract without even giving up assets and only getting them back is kind of a coup right that's maybe one of the worst contracts in the nba if yep. not the worst and um porzingis deal was a bad deal but we'll see like tyus jones i think is going to be traded right i'm pretty sure that kuzma is going to be explored they may not move him to your point they don't have to do anything right i think it makes more sense to just get the best return whether that's this summer or at the deadline they probably have a price that they want for him i don't think it's value is going to decline so much yeah. so between now and five months from now. So pool is the interesting guy. Pool is the guy that I think they miscalculated on a little bit where they thought he was <laughs> going to be a little bit better. 
<laughs> and they just traded for his college roommate, by the way, and best friend. So oh, Isaiah Livers, underrated part of that trade. He is literal best friend with Jordan Poole, and he's like, what better way to get our guy going until uh, other than bringing back his boy? So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but the best friend thing, you know, like there's the best friends like Fox and Monk who brought out the best in each other. I feel like Poole and his best friend are just going to – it's going to – it's like when you put Poole and Kuzma together, it, it just got worse. Like the sum of the parts is worse than the cousins and Cousins and Wall in Houston best friended each <laughs> other out of the league. <laughs> exactly. Um, I they love really Kuzma, good for one preseason game in Chicago. Everyone was hyped. You were hyped. I was, I, was like, I, I was like, that is happiness. I haven't felt since then. <laughs> I think as a human, and it's all been downhill. And they were so happy. It was like just it was cool to see. And then it, yeah, <laughs> cratered as bad as anything could crater. Uh, I love Kuzma, man. I was I wanted the Kings to go after Kuzma in the off season. Now who knows if he wanted to even sign with us, right? If but. I want them to trade for him now. I really want, I think he's the perfect fit for Sacramento. Mike Brown brings out the defensive intensity. It's there. He just needs to be in the right situation, needs to have the motivation. I don't know and, what the package is for him because it's not two firsts, but it's not Davion in a first. Like that feels like not enough. Like I want I mean, to it'd have more to be exciting than Davion. And it's Barnes, Barnes Davion, be, and a first. Yeah. How about this trade offer? Kuzma and Corey Kispert to Detroit for Bogdanovich and Jaden Ivey. And then you reroute Bogdanovich to wherever for a first. Why would Detroit do that? Kuzma's four years younger than Bogdanovich. Yeah, but he, Ivy. Why would they part with Ivy? Like I I they barely they hate him, apparently. They think they, that's Monty Williams. And Monty Williams is about to be there for the next five years after this. And Kuzma's a hometown guy. He's from Flint, Michigan. Enough of this hometown stuff. Who cares? Kuzma doesn't care. Kuzma wants to be in LA. He wants to be on the fashion show. He's like trying to date. you're he's right, Sacramento's not that place. But Winning like <laughs> Yeah, he's got he's like a forty, you know, an hour flight to LA. He can at least be close. Will Winnie Harlow relocate to Auburn Hills? <laughs> yeah, Michigan. like do you think they want to be in Detroit? Um I love me some Kuzma, man. I would be, I'd give up two first. I'd give up two first. He's Fuck actually it. playing worse over the last ten games. I don't know if the trade rumors got in his head or what's going on, but like he's been shooting the ball poorly. He's been shot hunting versus all the facilitating he was doing. We can't keep these guys straight, man. They're too online. You know, you always say like, oh, the video games get don't keep them out of trouble. I think the social media is what gets their heads messed up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like. They don't have. They read about trade rumors like all day long. Back in the day, you probably didn't hear them quite as often. Yeah, but like I just feel like Kuzma can be reined in so easily. Like, no, I mean, all right, he's a good player. Yeah, like you got to do you, your thing in Washington by yourself. Okay, it was kind of fun, but like, what you're gonna keep doing that? No, like I, I think the parallel for me is always uh, Harrison Barnes in Dallas. Just a complete inefficient player, not a good three-point shooter. Then his first couple years in sack, all of a sudden 40%, good defender, yeah. efficient score. Like that's what Kuzma can do except better because he's a better player than Harrison Barnes. So that's a good comp for like the yeah. I think like, like, I mean yeah. I think it's Harrison Barnes wanted that role. I think he he got paid in Dallas and obviously they 
they were happy to let him go and go to state because they were bringing in Durant. I can't tell if Kuzma wants like he played in LA, he won a title, he had the nightlife, the whole deal. But I kind of think he's in a way happier that he gets to take twenty shots a game in DC. Yeah, and he did that. He's done that for like two years now, and you know, you know, him and Winnie Harlow. Maybe they settle down, have a kid. They want to be in like they nice want to move suburb. up to NorCal. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. It makes sense. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's, there's, there's kind of a, like I feel like there's once we're already talking about Kyle Kuzma, there's a little bit lack of juice in the trade deadline this year. Um, but you know, there's so many just like peripheral players that yeah are excited. Like here's another one. Um. Let's see. Uh, is Malcolm Brogdon interesting? Yes, uh, that's a really good point. That's actually who was I thinking of Malcolm Brogdon for? Actually, I was just thinking about a good team. Oh, the Knicks for him. Ooh, because it would cost them a lot less. He's a stout defender, really efficient, can play off the bench or as a starter. I think he'd be perfect on the Knicks. Yeah, the thing with him is is the injuries and. Yeah, the injuries the dependency, are but a cont- like so many contenders. Knicks are a good fit. Um, I don't know the Heat once again. Is that it's like kind of one of those not as f- sexy moves, but they he becomes a good guard. Yeah, and that they and, need. Um, yeah, so there's some interesting guys, right? Like uh, another one that I'm personally very interested in, but I don't know how it gets that much attention. Is um, what's his face? Uh, Boyan, obviously, we, we talked about Boyan. Um, Bogdan, you know, there's been some talks about like, right, so Atlanta might want to part with him. He's yeah. been really good, like, he has awesome. turned it on in the last month. Um, and he, I feel like, can fit on so many teams. He's like a super six man on most teams, like, he can create. Um, rel- decent facilitator can create his own shot. Solid shooter. You know so, where he'd be perfect, and I don't think they have the assets to get him. But Minnesota, yes, they get I really like creaky offensively at times. He can either score or facilitate, like you said. You can run an offense through him for stretches, and he's been killing second units. I think you could still do that with him. That would be really interesting. Like him and Nas Reed on the second unit, that's like a pretty damn good offense you could come off the bench with. Really good. I think he fits well there. Um, it gives them some offensive juice, which Minnesota's just sometimes they they're so stagnant. Um, or OKC, right? Like OKC is yeah. got a great starting lineup. Bench is been solid, but you know unspectacular. That could be an option. We haven't even talked about where all they can go. Oh yeah, and I also think OKC is not in a rush. Um, like what if they said Bertans, Isaiah Joe, and or or and Josh Giddy and four first for Laurie Markinen? No. From whose side? Okay. So I just I don't why should OKC go all in right now? What else are they doing? They're probably bored as shit down there. <laughs> Dude, like I they're what, firmly in not firmly, but they're in the two seed. But in I think top four, I finish top four. Top four, right? Why don't you see what you have? Like, I, I honestly yeah, believe. I, probably fine. I really believe in play a playoff series before you make a move. Like, why is this team going to go make drastic moves without seeing what they have? Yeah. 
like what do these guys look like in the postseason? Like the Kings, last year's postseason taught us a lot, right? The like Sabonis can be exposed. You need someone in the front court defensively. But, but we know we can trust anything, Fox. Why haven't they done anything to shore up what we learned last year? Because I I also think that there was no rush, right? There's no rush with the Kings. All these guys are locked up to long-term deals. Like, why did we have to make a panic move? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's less about a rush of long-term and, deals and more about the window being open. But there's also, yeah, but we, our window's open. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm not worried about the window closing. And the other thing is, like, Everyone always acts like these trades are just there to be made. That's what if they've true. been trying and everything's been turned down? Like the, that's the the scenario no one ever talks about. <laughs> that's fair. So that's and, fair. and I'd, I'd rather Why not. Why don't you just go get all the guys that I got in two K? <laughs> like know, like, like a... when, when we want to make a trade in two K, we'll make it happen just because we want it to happen right away. We're not going to wait. Yeah. Whatever, fuck it. Throw an extra pick. Doesn't matter. Vladi was the same mindset. Just do whatever. We need to clear cap space. Oh, it's going to cost you a first-round pick and a swap in a future year? Fuck it. Do it. I'd rather be patient and not make panic trades. I think I think that's that's reasonable. Um, OKC should probably add around the edges. Like, maybe go find another big. Um, maybe they trade for Mason Plumley, right? Or something like that, where it's like, yeah. you know, Clippers like the Daniel Tice Zubat rotation, so they don't need Plumley as much. Yeah. Or, you know, Olenek from Utah has been talked about. Um, maybe they go get, you know. What about your boy Nick. Gafford? Uh, yeah, that's actually a great suggestion. Go get Gafford. We have our center of the future, Marvin Bagley, anyway. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a Bagley truther. I actually thought it was a really solid trade for us. Dude, Bagley is like the biggest... I can't wait to watch him. I think he might be starting tomorrow night because Gafford's actually out. I guarantee you he'll disappoint you. Now he's going to go 14 and 8, shoot like 7 of 12 from the field, and be like a minus 13 on the court. <laughs> and get roasted repeatedly at the rim. That's the Marvin Bagley yeah. experience. Oh, yeah. He'll get for sure. I should take Julius Randle and uh, Isaiah Hartenstein over points and rebounds tomorrow. Oh, 100%. Just assaulting Bagley over 100%. and over again. So, all right, we'll see. Because there's another what, month till the trade deadline? Yeah. God, I can't get here fast enough. When is this? Let me just look this up really quickly. It's like it's February 8th. Yeah. February. So three weeks, and then we have the, the All-Star break right after that, the week after that. So it's pretty interesting because we're going to get, I think, a flurry of activities. We may get some – like we've already gotten three big trades this season, right? So four if you count Harden. Um, yeah. Well, that's so long ago, yeah. Yeah, and so Bagley being the the, the third of the, the recent tr- three. Um, And so we may not see another like big-time star move, but we've already seen some pretty big names you know, on different teams. So it may be that where it like trickles in over time. There's no reason to wait all the way to the deadline. Everybody in the league, like I mentioned, is now eligible as of January 15th. So yep. all bets are off and we'll see. I think there's going to be, you know, this is one of the things the play-in tournament does is that nobody's quite sure if they should go in or should they should be sellers. Cause <laughs> Which they're kind of like, it. well, yeah. Yep. Makes it for a slightly less exciting. Cause if the, the bulls were like 10th, they may blow it up, but if they're mm-hmm. tenth, but they have a chance at the ninth, and that gives them a shot at the play-in and playoffs, and they're like, okay, let's maybe pack it in and go for it. Yep. 
All right, so we'll see what happens. Um, that's a wrap for us this week. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops on all major podcast platforms. Please follow us on social media, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.